Hello and welcome to the Hot Rod Bible Study where tonight we are continuing our study in the book of Matthew. Uh, be Matthew 25 beginning at the 30, 31st verse to, uh, to be um, more specific. But before we do that, I'd like to share something with you that I read today that really resonated with me and I hope it does the same with you. Uh, it's a quote about with um, Charles Spurgeon, uh, one of the smart guys that I have a tendency to quote. And Spurgeon was asked which he thought was more important, Bible study or prayer. And he replied by asking a question to the person, which do you feel is more important, inhaling or exhaling? And I said, what? said, well, studying the Bible is like inhaling God's word. Prayer is like exhaling God's word. Ooh, isn't that neat? So tonight we're going to do some inhaling and a, a bit of exhaling as well. And we're going to exhale right now. So please join me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love, most of all. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your patience with us. And Lord, we just pray that everything we do here tonight is pleasing in your sight, that you open our hearts and minds to your word. And as always, keep, keep old Willie out of the way. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, again, Matthew 25, starting at the 31st verse. Um, you'll recognize this, I'm fairly sure. But here we go. It says... When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come. You blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick and, or in prison and did not minister to you? 
Then he will answer them saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of these, the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into everlasting life. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these things that he said to his disciples, you know that after two days is the Passover and the son of man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priests, the scribes and the elders of the people assembled at the palace of the high priest who was called Caiaphas and plotted to take Jesus by trickery and kill him. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste for this fragrant oil might have been sold for, his, for much and given to the poor. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you have, for you have the poor with you always. But me you do not have always. For in pouring on this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever this gospel, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. And let's see if we can go in a little deep here. What's going on? Okay, again, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, he will sit at the throne of his glory. The Son of Man. Well, we've heard this uh, used before as referring to the Messiah, but let's see what Daniel chapter 7 has to say about that. So starting at the 13th verse, where it says, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming out of the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given domain and pardon me, dominion and glory and a kingdom, and all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which will not pass away in his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed, be destroyed. Okay, again, an everlasting dominion that shall not pass away is given to the Son of Man, speaking, of course, of Jesus. Verse 32 says, All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, as he, as a shepherd, divides his sheep from the goats. Okay, all the nations. All humankind, not just the Gentiles, not just the Jews, but all the nations, all humankind. And he will separate them. He's not, this is not speaking of the judgment. This is separating those as again, he says, one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. 
separating them by their natures. Okay, this is what's going to happen when the Son of Man comes in his glory. Um, D.A. Carson puts it this way, in the countryside, sheep and goats mingled during the day. At night, they were often separated because sheep tolerate the cool air, but goats have to be herded together for warmth. So there is a difference, again, according to their natures. The Son of Man will will separate all the nations according to their natures. goes on to say in verse 33, and he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the kingdom, king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. You know, this has always been God's goal. Always been God's goal for his creation, for all mankind, that they would inherit the kingdom prepared before the foundation of the world. So again, this has always been God's goal. Verse 35 goes on to say, for I was hungry and you gave me food. Now, this is something that we've heard about before, uh, I hope. And if you haven't, just pay attention to all this. It says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And here's the response in verse 37. The righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? Notice that the righteous have a response of surprise. When did we do all this, Lord? We, we, we never did this. And what's being said about them concerning this is, again, taking them by surprise. So obviously, the righteous aren't doing these good works to earn their way into the kingdom. They're doing them as a response to the grace that's been given them, okay? Which is what we as Christians ought do, we as believers ought do. We do good works not to earn our way in, not to get on television, not to make everybody think that we're really neato folks or anything like that. No, we do them in response to how Jesus has treated us with compassion. And that's Exactly what's going on here. And it's interesting that the righteous respond, and when did we do this? Because they, they, when did we do this to you, Lord? Again, not trying to earn their way in, that it's others. Okay. And the king will answer them and say, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. My brethren, uh, remember one of the names for Jesus is Emmanuel, which is God with us. And he is with us in a, such a way that we serve him as we serve others. And we bring glory to him in our service to others. Not, not bringing glory to ourselves, not trying to earn our way in, 
And again, it's great because a righteous, it says here, when do we do this to you, Lord? They're doing it again as response, out of compassion. Verse 41 shows a different response. Well, same response, different action. Then he will say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire, which was prepared for the devil and his angels. Okay, everlasting fire. Um, this is uh, unlike what a second century theologian by the name of Origen espoused was that it was for a time, not for everlasting. But you will be departed, your curse for a time. Uh, I believe this is a pretty good reason because it, it affected the early church. And I believe this is the origin, by origin, uh, of where more than likely purgatory came from. Uh, purgatory is a place where the idea is that you are being purified by the Holy Spirit prior to you taking your place in the kingdom. There's nothing that said, there's nothing said in scripture concerning that. And I do want to say that this origin guy uh, more than likely was the impetus for this thought of purgatory. Could be wrong. This is what I, I found by looking at what the smart guys have to say. Uh, if somebody else has an idea, please get a hold of me and we'll, we'll talk about this. But this is the deal into the everlasting fire, not just for a bit of time, everlasting. Okay, now, verse 42. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. But here they respond in the same manner. They will also answer him, Lord, when did you see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or in sick or in prison and did not minister? They're making excuses for their lack of compassion. If we would have seen you, Lord, we would have surely done this. This is, this is a complete contrast to the righteous who said, I should go on my right hand, shouldn't I? The righteous who said, when did we do this, Lord? We, we, we just did, we never knew it was you. They're saying, well, if we'd only known it was you, Lord, we would have done this. They're making excuses, making excuses for their lack of compassion. Remember, time and time again, we read in Matthew where Jesus took compassion on the people. Here he is. He's beat up, tired. He's trying to go away to spend some time in prayer with the Father. And these multitudes come up and he has compassion on them. What does he do? He heals them. Hmm. Okay. This, again, with having those unrighteous are saying, trying to make an excuse. When did we do this? Okay. So he answers them saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do this to one of these least of me, you did not do it to me, showing indifference uh, towards the sufferings of others as well as indifference to Jesus himself. Wow, pretty, pretty heavy duty. Okay, 
Verse 46, and these will go away to everlasting punishment. There's that everlasting word again. It's not just a period of time of punishment to get you all straightened out. <laughs> Remember in, in the movie Luther, if you ever get a chance to, to watch it, I think it's a pretty good movie. Of course, I was brought up Lutheran, so you know, take it with, with however many grains of salt you wish. Uh, but here it is. He's talking about how after visiting the, the Vatican and going, if he said, if I had a couple of more ducats, I could have got Uncle John out of purgatory as well. You know, it's people buying people out of this position. No, it's everlasting punishment, which is eternal separation from God. Said, but the righteous to eternal life, eternal life with God. Okay. Now, where do we receive this righteousness? Do we do this by doing these good works and taking in the sick and the homeless and the naked and those in prison and feeding them and giving them something to drink? Do we earn it by that? No, no, no. Again, it is what we received. These things we do in response to what we've received. The only way that we receive righteousness is through the blood of Jesus. And that's what we're going to be talking about here just a little bit. Only way that we receive righteousness is through Jesus' death on the cross, through his blood that covers us, covers our sins. Though we are yet we were yet sinners, Jesus paid the price for our sins with his death on the cross. Remember that. Remember that. Okay. Now we go on to chapter 26, verse 1. It says, Now it came to pass. When Jesus had finished all these things, when he, when he was done with his teaching ministry to the multitudes, okay, that he said to his disciples, you know that after two days is the Passover and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Passover. What is the Passover? We hear about this. Okay. It's celebrating when because of the blood of the Lamb, it was put over the doorposts. The angel of death passed over the Israelites when they were in Egypt. Let's read about that. Exodus chapter 12. We're going to go verses 5 through 13, where it says, Your lamb shall be without blemish. This is talking about what's going on in the Passover. God is telling the children of Israel what they need to do. Okay, Your lamb shall be without blemish. Okay, Jesus sinless, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it. Now that's kind of interesting, sheep or goats. Why would they mention that? A lot of times uh, Jews are mentioned as being the sheep, Gentiles being mentioned as goats. Okay, okay I'm, a, I'm a goat. Yeah, that's all right, all right. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the house where they eat it. They shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with the bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw nor boiled with, at all with water, but roasted in fire, its heads and its legs and entrails, whole thing. You shall let none of it remain until the morning, 
and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire, and thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, so you shall eat it in haste. This is the Lord's Passover. For I will, and here it is, for I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods, small g, plural, all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. I when And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. There is the Passover. And this is something that was one of the required festivals for all good Jews to come up to Jerusalem to participate in. And, it's like, it, and like Jesus is saying, okay, two more days, we're going to be at the Passover. And it says here, the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Remember John the Baptist, John 1.29, how does he introduce Jesus? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is all in, in accordance. This all fits together. You know, we may have it, we not may, we do have a new covenant through Jesus in the New Testament. But that doesn't mean the old covenant doesn't mean anything. Okay? If you ever have an opportunity, talking about Passover, if you ever have an opportunity to participate in a Seder meal, which is the Passover, uh, I would encourage that. Uh, because we recognize what Jesus and his disciples were doing that evening. And also, what what all these things, how all these things fit together in the person of Jesus Christ. It's just it's just amazing. If you get an opportunity to do it, uh, we've done it a number of times. Just really, really, really would recommend it. Okay, now we go on. The chief priests, the scribes, and the elders of the people assembled in the palace of the high priest who was called Caiaphas and plotted to take Jesus by trickery and kill him. But they said, not during the feast, yet there be an uproar among the people. Okay, chief priest. Caiaphas was the current chief priest, but who else was there? Annas, the former chief priest, who was Caiaphas's father-in-law. So nepotism was alive and well in the Sanhedrin, in the ruling church leaders, okay? The scribes, remember, those are the lawyers. They're writing everything down and make sure you're following everything the law has to say. The elders, <laughs> I like to say, these are guys that are old enough to know better. <laughs> I, I I really do. I, I what, A little side note, when I was first asked to be on the board of elders, I said, you got the wrong guy which come to find out everybody who's ever been asked to be on a board of elders has had that same response. But anyway, you find out, you know, these guys have got the same amount of issues you do. If you look at elders of the church as, oh, these guys are holy, forget it. They'll be the first one to say they're not. Okay, now, 
Not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. You know, fearing that the people would, uh, what the people would think, there'd be an uproar. But, you know, the funny thing about it is, is that's exactly when this all came about. It was during the feast, during the Passover. And they were able to, you know, they're worried about the people, how they would respond. They were able to, the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders, were able to incite the people to say, crucify him. Wow, isn't that something? Whereas just earlier on in the week, they were saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Wow, isn't that amazing? Okay, now, verse 6. When Jesus was in Bethany, now this is the town of Lazarus and his sister's, Mary and Martha, right? At the house of Simon the leper. Now, this had to be someone that Jesus healed because they would not be gathering in a leper's house because they were unclean, right? So he still carried that name. You know, it's like Gromit the Wonder Dog. You know, it's Simon the leper. Okay. Now, verse 7, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil poured it on his head as he sat at the table. Now, John tells us in John chapter 12, verse 3, he identifies this woman. He says, Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Okay, now we go on to verse 8. But when his disciples saw it, they were what? They were indignant, saying, Why this waste for this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. Again, we continue on in just the next two verses in John, and John identifies he who really said this. Okay, says, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, hmm, heard that name before? Simon's son would betray him, saying, why, who would betray him? Said, why is this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he was cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box. And he used to take what was put in it. So here it is. You know, you hear these guys, oh man, you know, you're giving, why are the churches taking so much? They could be giving all this money to the poor. Well, maybe the churches that are getting all this money, bingo, are using it in a manner in which it helps. I know the fellowship that Pam and I are part of, man, there's a lot of outreach that goes on. And a lot of, lot of uh, school uh, backpacks and food and all this stuff that goes out there. Um, so don't count them all like you might see some of these guys are getting really rich off it. Okay, now, verse 10. When Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always. Me, you do not always have. Charles Spurgeon says the beauty of this woman's act consisted of this, that it was all for Christ. 
All who were in the house could perceive and enjoy the perfume. Okay, they were able to enjoy this of the precious ointment, but the anointing was for Jesus only. Now, for the pouring on this fragrant oil, my body, she did it for my burial. And, and probably not realizing that at the time, that that's what she was doing. She probably didn't realize this. However, the high cost of that spikenard, okay, which comes, I still you can get it from the Himalayas, okay. So this this was imported stuff. This wasn't just grown in 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 Bethany. This is some pretty heavy duty import stuff, right? The high cost of the fragrant oil spikenard points to the value of Jesus' death. You know, it, there are times. What I have said in the past, and forgive me for this, but it's true. When I was younger, I thought, well, Jesus died for your sins, so what's the big deal? That's a high cost. That's exactly the big deal, is Jesus died for your sins. Why would I want to continue to go on sinning just because my sins are forgiven? No, I don't want to keep going on sinning because Jesus paid the price with his death, and a horrible one at that. Okay, now, it also shows the high cost of following Jesus. You know what? We can lose friends. We can lose lose loved ones. You know what? Sometimes even our own lives for following Jesus. There are martyrs to this day. There are, I think, every one of us who knows Jesus as their Savior and Lord have found there are people who turn their backs on us since that. They're lost. Hmm. Verse 13, Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will be told as a memorial to her. Luther says this, To love Christ, to confess Christ, and to take pleasure in him does not happen without the Holy Spirit. Remember that. It doesn't happen without the Holy Spirit. To confess the faith, Bear the hatred of the world. Remember, we're just talking about that. Bear the hatred of the world to undergo exile and death. All this is proof of the Spirit, which Mary certainly showed in her anointing of Jesus. Man, we're getting closer and closer to the passion of the Christ. We're getting closer and closer to where Jesus is arrested and he is beaten, and he is crucified. And we're also getting closer to the resurrection in what we're reading here. So uh, if you miss the opportunity to watch the ensuing weeks, please look back and watch them later or do whatever the deal is. Because like next week, we're going we're gonna to talk about something uh, that uh, Jesus institutes, institutes the Lord's Supper. And think about this. This is something that my friend Bob Probert said real succinctly, that it should draw all Christians together, yet the different theologies of, of uh, communion drive us apart. Sad deal. But we'll talk about that next week. Again, looking for questions, comments, or smart aleck remarks. I pray this... Um, this study was a, as big a blessing to you as it was to me. 
And again, if you have any of these questions, comments, or smart aleck remarks, feel free. I'm around. And with that, may the grace of God and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.